10 years, three boys, one question, are we friends? I want you to know, listener, right here, that you and the other children around you are special, just the way you are. Regardless of what anyone says, your friends, or even your parents, you are special. If they insist in it, insist on it too hard, I'm sorry. Welcome to Are We Friends. I am your co-host, Taylor. I am your co-co-host, Brian. And I'm Jorge, and what was that, dude? <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, that was a, an intro reflective of how I'm feeling today. <laughs> oh, boy. It ended with, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not good. And this is the show where three boys who have known each other for 10 years go through their interests one at a time to see if they are actually still friends anymore or if it's just inertia. This week, Brian is coming to us uh, for our first topic that we are doing entirely remotely. Yeah. Brian, what are we talking about today? We're back in the old setup. Um, We are talking about uh, a person that I hadn't thought about in fucking forever and they just popped in my head when I was asked to pick a topic. And I've, I've enjoyed the dive that I've had to go into it. Uh, Mr. Shell Silverstein. Uncle Shelby. Uncle Shelby. It's it's interesting that you say Mr. Shell Silverstein because you, you also gendered him when you presented the topic to us. And I definitely thought that was a lady. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Did you not know who Shell Silverstein was? Uh, I mean, I knew who they were. Maybe I just yeah. don't see genders the same way, Taylor. Yeah, okay, sure. Dude, I looked Said the at unsexist the book person. <laughs> like, I looked inside the book jacket. I saw the picture, and I went, oh, hello. I got them from a public library. I don't know what book jacket you were talking but, yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, for uh, for for reference, his full name is Sheldon Allen Silverstein. So, you know, not a lot of ambiguous names there. That <laughs> makes more sense, because I was wondering why he only has one L in his name. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. he wanted to be cool. And so. So why did you pick Shell? Sil- oh my, I can't do it, dude. I Sel- keep wanting to say Shell Silverstein. Shell Silverstein sells seashells by the seashore. Shell Silverstein I sells not... seashells by the seashore. Not I did it. it. Um, <laughs> take a, I'll take tell a sip. You why ahead, I picked... Take a sip of your beer. I'll tell when you it's why your I turn to talk. Shell take a sip of your beer. Who sells seashells by the seashore? There you go. Um, not bad. It was kind of it was kind of random. Like I was saying, like I had one of my many creatively bankrupt moments because there's that there's always that thing of when you get told like hey be funny and it feels like an entire set of stage lights have turned off except one violently white hot spotlight on you and you have only your underwear on and it's not funny on its own that's how you feel like just that creatively blank space yeah, uh, Jorge did it to me on the other episode. He goes, yeah, just be funny right now. <laughs> and it was devastating. Yeah, see, what I do when we're in person, I usually just do that that uh, kind of dance where it's, it's like tap dancing, but you're kicking one leg forward at a time and your arms are doing the backwards windmill thing, you know? I think that's called kicking. You know oh, what sorry. I'm talking about? <laughs> like, you're, the, the, like you're falling out of a chair, but you're standing up. Yeah, exactly like that, that, that dance and you're... And you're going like hot cha cha, hot cha cha. That's <laughs> that's usually my go-to, and people do laugh at me for better or worse. Absolutely. So that's your waka waka. Yes, I think I I'd have to say that's probably my waka, or or I just say like cummy tummy or something, you know. Stay, cummy tummy is your waka waka in phrase form. Um, but yeah, I was feeling that when I was the, there was just the 
the quiet message of like topic question mark and i was like oh fuck me i have no idea uh and then i for i forget what it was but shell silverstein popped in my head i think something about where the sidewalk ends just popped up i was like fuck i haven't thought about that in forever that would be a fun one that's relatively easy to look up stuff for since we're doing nothing because of the fucking situation so um, what yeah. what has Shell Silverstein done besides where the sidewalk ends? I'm glad you asked, Jorge. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just tee you up, buddy. Please, I'm here to tee you he, up. Uh, so he was a cartoonist for a publication we may know uh, for about 20 years plus. He was the uh, traveling cartoonist for Playboy magazine oh, for a long mm-hmm. time. While he was public, like while uh, he was doing this, he published his first collection of children's poems. Where the sidewalk ends. That was like well into his tenure. His the mother of his first child is a Playboy bunny. Oh, yeah, yeah. He published a lot through Playboy. With granted, like a lot of people published through Playboy back in the sixties and seventies and fifties. It was the uh, cool place to be to publish. Like it actually was. Like I'm sure Hunter S. Taunt, like people like that, fucking renegade weirdos, definitely also. Yeah, and this is where the yeah. joke comes from, because slowly after they realize, like, oh, cool, we don't have to pretend like we're publishing anymore. Hustler's out. They kind of blew the lid on that. That's when it started to be things like how to change your own car radio and all that kind of thing, <laughs> all stuff. Like, if you have ever seen uh, The People versus Larry Flynn, there's a joke in there where he's reading a Playboy and like, what, do I need a fucking college degree to jack off? Fuck this. <laughs> That's what he starts doing. <laughs> So, so that so, uh, that that old joke when when somebody's reading a Playboy and they say I read it for the articles, you'd say that's originally true. Yeah, it was originally yes. a more reasonable defense. Like it was still always it was a titty magazine. Like people <laughs> are are reading it to not read but to look at the boobies. So he uh, so like Tumblr. We like used to Tumblr. be. Like used or to be. Except they went the other direction. I heard they're I heard they're bringing the porn back. I feel like that's going to be too little, too late. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Was it Yahoo bought them and they took all the porn off? Toothpaste on the tube, dude. Yeah, it's over. Somebody took it off. Yeah, I know a lot of people who were, you know, questioning their sexuality and things like that, and Tumblr was a refuge for them. Uh, just like, cool. Yeah, I found a lot of places that were uh, sexually accepting and awesome. So thank you, Tumblr, for giving a whole generation a safe space that wasn't Pornhub. Okay, so you, so you gave us a little bit about how <laughs> Shel Silverstein started out, but wh- is is where the sidewalk ends the main like children's poetry? So, it's that one and Falling Up, right? Are the two big uh, collections yeah. of children's poems? Yeah, he's yes. The Falling Up, A Light in the Attic is another big one. He um, wrote that uh, after the death of his first daughter. Yes. Oh. Uh, yeah. The his daughter died when she was eleven. Eleven, I believe. Brutal. Um, what happened? Yeah, it was very bad. Uh, she had an aneur- uh, cerebral aneurysm, I believe. Oh, Let me, my uh, God. Yeah. She, it, it, so this is the thing. Uh, his Wikipedia page, which is what I primarily used for my, you know, just to get a timeline It's a on good him. source, you guys. It, just, is, it absolutely is. Just and all for, the sources like, are there. Forget what your English teacher told you. It's a good source. Let's just all, all the sources are there. I clicked on those, and they took me to actual sources if I was like, hmm, that seems like a bullshit story. And then it was like, no, it's actually the real story. Um but he uh, he never married. So all oh this was sorry this was the thing I wanted to bring up because we got we got into personal stuff quicker than I thought. Um, <laughs> but he is this is the, one of the things on there. Silverstein never married, so he wasn't you know he was kind of a go wrong guy. He did, according to the 2007 biography, a boy named Shell sleep with quote hundreds. 
perhaps Whoa. thousands of women, <laughs> unquote. My man. Yeah, so- and so the fact that he only has two known children out of this is both amazing and wrong. There's or no he just way- wore condoms, dude. There's, Jesus. there's little dude. It was like the seventies. There's no way he was. Condoms fucking, were there in the but 70s. condoms like what like a ninety seven percent success rate. If you slept dude, with a hundred women, that's at least three. That's children. three kids. That's at least three kids. Um, I've never thought about it that way, and I'm I'm yeah. gonna have to call some people. That's, that's, <laughs> so, wow, Mr. Brett. Wow, Bragger. No, 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 I'm, I'm just thinking of the, like obviously I've had sex multiple times with the people I'm referring to, okay. but like if those be the numbers, like dude, oh no. You, you clearly don't. It's one and done, man. It's that's me. I'm a single serve man. Okay, I don't need to fucking deal. I'm the counter. At, today. Yeah, I'm the counter at Dairy Queen. No one comes up for seconds. <laughs> no. I want to. I want to go get your... back a little bit, Brian. You you were I'm talking about how sorry. Okay, he so slept he, with the, many women, and then was, you call him so. A, you but you said yeah. he was a bit of a, and then you mumbled a bunch. You, so he was a bit of a. Uh, uh. What, what what were you going to say, Brian? I what were you going to call him? I was gonna say, probably uh, you know, fuck. I was basically I don't know. Um, the the point about this was his his life <laughs> is kind of a fucking. A lot of this is a roller coaster ride because I was like, this is some shenanigans material at the beginning of this talking about how you know he was going to these schools. He got expelled from the University of uh, Let me see where it was, University of. Illinois, and then he went into the army and started doing cartoons. Fucking went to Chicago Academy of Fine Art, you know, does all this stuff. Goes around the world for Playboy, like to the point that they have a thing just called Shell Visits, and it was just him Damn. doing cartoons and snarky fucking quips uh, to all these things. Blah blah blah. One of those uh, locations was a nudist colony. Yes, a naturist colony. It came, I was gonna say, it came up as naturist, and I was like. That doesn't seem that bad. And then I clicked I also naturist. had to click that. <laughs> I clicked naturist and went, oops. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, but this was so this is the thing. His his life seems like a very big, crazy adventure. And he's he's a lot of he's a renaissance man in a lot of ways. He because we'll get into all the other stuff he's done. But this is the thing with uh, his children. So he had one daughter named Shoshana. Uh, she was born in 1970, lived with her mom, all that sort of stuff. Um, she died in 1982 at the age of 11 of a cerebral aneurysm and that's why the book a light in the attic is dedicated to her Um, is it is it super grim no no it's well like most things that are dedicated i mean not really it's sad sober there's some sad stuff in there but it's like you know it's a tribute i feel like it's a it it is representative of a lot of shell serverstein's poems for children in that they are a little like a little gruffer um, yes. sometimes there's a swear word in there. Sometimes they're dealing with some pretty serious shit. And I think that's why he's such a popular children's writer. Uh, in addition to being popular for everything else that he did in his career, because you know, like how YA is popular because it brings up themes like sex and death and violence and like domestic abuse and all sorts of mm-hmm. things, but in a way that is like responsibly giving it to children as something that they are going to have to learn to deal with, not deal with, but like come to understand in some way. Come yeah. to understand. Yeah, hopefully they. Uh, hopefully That's what they... he did hundreds, if not thousands, of times. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah, it's it's sober is what I would call light in the attic. Yeah, it's definitely the more yeah, like where the sidewalk ends because that's what I I just I burned through like half of that book in ju- I was just like bah, 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 just reading reading reading, um, and that one's a lot more fun. But there's always that there's that serious tone. I mean, when he calls uh, 
What is it? When he when he calls uh, Jimmy Jet and his TV set a motherfucker, I was like, wow, this is for kids. I can't believe that. He doesn't I actually. I just he read that one, and I feel like he didn't call him a motherfucker. He, he he implies it with a lot of the language, but I don't think I don't think those letters are. He watched too much together. TV, so he became a TV set. I and don't he was remember a motherfucker, for motherfucker being anywhere there, in there. No, there was the part where, and so when we sit, you know, instead of watching the TV set, we watch that motherfucker Jimmy Jet. That's I'm almost certain that was the line. <laughs> That's, sound, that's really sounding correct to me. I mean, I'm just saying I don't have it in front of me, so uh, <laughs> could be could be true. It's a 50-50% chance it is or it isn't true. Post Fair in the enough. comments how many times Shel Silverstein wrote motherfucker in a children's poem book. Or <laughs> just send I, us poems with the words motherfucker in them. Please do. Oh, I've got a bunch if you guys want some. <laughs> no, we're good, Taylor. No, no, no. I didn't write them, obviously. I do say motherfucker a lot, and it does come up in my poetry. And lo, hitherto for... The motherfucker hath said those are the no, those so are Taylor got, motherfucker poems. I've got poems that are that have lofty <laughs> language like that, but I also have a lot of like a, especially towards grad school when I started writing more, uh, really because of this podcast. Uh, a lot of it was no, I want to capture my tone, yeah, <laughs> like right. my speak, and not you know like I don't need to write a sestina or something. I'm just gonna write <laughs> a kind of a, a poem. And you're doing me wrong. Forms are fun, and I like to teach them, and they are really. They're creative, of course, tools sometimes. But like, no, I, I want to write a poem that doesn't maybe rhyme or something. I just want to mm-hmm. try to capture what I actually am describing about this situation. What yeah, I but- admire about Shel Silverstein is that all of his poems fucking rhyme. Oh, absolutely. They're very, they're all very singsongy. You, I found myself like humming tunes that weren't even, you know, that weren't like written out note by note sort of thing. They were just inherently in the rhythm and you know, pulse and beat of the actual words on the thing. Um, but I did want to go back to one thing very quickly with you, Taylor, is while I absolutely understand that you have that voice, you do like verbose words from time to time. Uh, absolutely. The, the time I can think of specifically was when we were playing Piccolo, and yeah. the the objective was to make a sentence with everyone using one word, you know, oh you do one God. word thing. <laughs> and you, you were starting it, and wh- you used two very specific words for the first times. Do you remember what they are? Yeah, I think first one was whomsoever. Yes. <laughs> so we're like, dude, we don't know. We don't. Think, like, and and I'm almost, I'm almost certain the second one, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was like hitherto for or something like that. It was no, no, something... no, no, no. The uh, the 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 other one that you guys get really mad at me about yes. is I started a sentence with which, and they were like. Wh- what? Like no, you can't it was say, whichsoever. Like, That's why we were oh, annoyed. Whichsoever. It was yeah, whichsoever. whichsoever. Because <laughs> I was fine with whomst, uh, with whomstever. Because I, I was like, I can get out of that fine. But people were like, oh, that was annoying. And then you went with, <laughs> you just, you upped the ante and made it worse the next time. It was terrible. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm still used to teachers telling me I can't start a sentence with but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yet, Taylor over there. Well, the reason that they tell you you can't start a sentence with but because they're quacks because it's funny. <laughs> well, it's uh, th- they're scared that if you have only one clause, like one main clause, and you begin it with but, like all you've done is you've made a conjunction. Uh, you've used the conjunction to make a dependent clause, and a mm-hmm. dependent clause cannot be a sentence. You need a full independent clause. However, if you reverse your syntax and you put your dependent clause beginning with but, 
and then you know put your independent clause afterward which the but is making some sort of condition on like you can absolutely do it it's a more complicated sentence structure but try to deliver that lesson to eighth graders well see that, that was always the problem for me though because i'm i'm very happy to follow rules but i need clear full explanations yeah so oh, any, any teacher who the... ever told me that i would start bringing them up books and be like hey this book has a sentence that starts with but why is that yeah. okay like it's in a, no, it's printed in this book. Sure, it's you know the novelization of Alien versus Predator, but come on, it's a it's a book still. No, like a ton of my favorite writers, uh, Stephen King does it. Just does sentences that are dependent clauses because he's a yes. fiction writer, and sometimes you want to capture the feeling of something, and that doesn't you know, the world doesn't uh, doesn't come to you in full sentences. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no, any fiction yeah. I've ever wrote, and if you've ever read any of my fiction, has very few full sentences. Lots of periods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it's. I was always very careful whenever I was teaching because I do love grammar uh, because I want people to be understood. And I always taught grammar as a way, um, as a as a tool for my students to be understood. Yeah, so it, it was sort of uh, like teaching, like you have a voice and your voice deserves to be heard, but mm -hmm. in order to be heard, you have to be understood. And that's why I taught grammar. It wasn't to like punch people down like, huh, you silly kids who aren't english majors you don't know what i don't know uh syllogism is which is not a grammatical thing but i couldn't think of anything else off sure the top it was an english no, wordy I, thing so I, I, yeah i completely that's why i'm for full definitions because then you understand all right don't break that rule at the wrong time because then it won't make any sense like know when you can break rules and still yeah. be understood and yeah. add something to your story not not just remove understanding but yeah, uh with absolutely with, with Shel silverstein going back <laughs> To that guy i did right? want to break yeah to kind of tie in with what you're talking about finding voice because what I, I found something very interesting with his um you know ascension into this sort of world and you know through his life basically uh he was drawing very early and that seems to be the first thing he really got good at because like i said he is a renaissance man we'll we'll go into a couple other um accolades of his as well but he was in multiple realms of this sort of thing if you have read uh where the sidewalk ends falling up light in the attic if you've seen any of these or his most famous one that we'll talk about as well um he has a very distinct art style and he talks about uh he he does the classic thing that fucking every most artists come from where i uh, I was not a hit with the ladies, so I just fucking <laughs> fucked around doing art and drawing and stuff. And then by the time I was a hit with the ladies, it was already stuck with me. So I didn't fucking, I didn't stop like, drawing and doing other things. Um, but he, he talks about not knowing art. Like he didn't really, or like drawing or like styles of drawing. He was just fucking around making his weird things uh, that I like a lot. They kind of, they remind me they they seem creepier than a lot of traditional kids art but that's what i like about them cuz like you were saying it has that edge to it it has something it has something a little bit for me like a grim fairy tale sort of vibe or like an actual yeah. old school fable vibe like not everything is prim and perfect with it there's a lot of like danger to some of these things oh so you're not talking about his cartooning style we're talking about his like his writing it sounds like it. And, I'm kind of talking about both. I'm kind of talking about both because yeah, a lot of the his, times they his, inform each other. 
yeah, his um his art reminds me a lot of if you guys know him, Jules Pfeiffer. He was the illustrator no. for the Phantom Tollbooth. Oh, yeah, I, um, I definitely see he, that vibe with it. Yeah, yeah, and Jules Pfeiffer also did um, a run of comics called The Explainers that was just kind of a collection of his works, where it's very dark and makes fun of hippies and like lofty, <laughs> t- like snooty, pooty, artsy people uh, in very fun ways, like clearly as being one of them. But he's got a very similar artistic style yeah. to Charles Silverstein's right. illustrations. Okay, this, I, this is something I wanted to talk about because I, I think this is where we can we can start. The debate, the great debate. Oh, because I, I, I read just like you, Brian, through most of the word the sidewalk ends, and then uh, I started skimming through a lot more of it. Yeah, um, I for sure read this entire book as a child, and yes. judging based on how much memory I have of it, I clearly read it once or twice and then moved on to other things. Now you have to keep in mind, I'm a scary stories, scary stories to tell in the dark. Absolutely, kid, right. So for me, I was reading through these, and they're mostly. They're either not like fun and whimsical enough to be nice kids poems, or they're not grim or scary enough to be the type of stories that I like. So I it, it landed in a weird middle place for me, and even like the rhyming and the the musicality of it wasn't wasn't to the point that would have made me feel more joy from them. You know, I, I I've been I'm, I did not love what I read through. I'm okay. on your side a little bit here, Jorge. Um, going back, <clears throat> excuse me, going back and rereading these, I like them as an adult more than I, because I don't remember them having an impact on me much at all, apart from knowing about them okay. as a kid. Like, I never owned a copy of Where the Sidewalk Ends, but I read it in the fourth grade in Miss Abel's class. Um, it was my fourth grade teacher. Yeah, get doxxed, Miss Abel. Fuck yeah, you. She, she might be dead. <laughs> okay. yeah, she, she, she wasn't a young woman when I had her. Um, but... I like I remember reading them and like oh mm-hmm. this is cool and I remember the next year in fifth grade in Miss Egan's class who also might be dead uh, really <laughs> oh, getting did. into Taylor, everybody also, might be dead okay <laughs> <laughs> again fifty fifty chance um, and I I remember liking a lot of that stuff and using a lot of it uh, in a very kind of tangential sort of way however I don't know like reading it as an adult i see a lot more of like oh i see why this was really popular i see why this is good for kids but it didn't hit me which might be where it works uh, bear with me i, yeah, I think I don't, I don't know slipping these things in for kids like that like it's not <clears throat> musical and whimsy to the point where you ignore it like a nursery rhyme and we never really take the lessons but it sticks there like the lessons you're supposed to take because we all know about now we all know about uh, Tommy Suckathumb or whatever something little Suckathumb from that go, fable that I what, read to you guys. Yeah, go tell, go watch, listen to our episode. What's it called? Which one was that? Uh, fables, modern tales for modern males. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes, that's that's yeah, where you so, can hear more about whoever Suckathumb. And the one that uh, definitely I use much like. If you give a mouse a cookie, which we also talked about on that one, is the Giving Tree another story that I don't think I quite received the right moral from, but I am it sticks in my mind and comes up pretty often. So that was the other thing to talk about with Shell Silverstein was his out of you know ballpark. The only one that's a fucking violent home run in terms of popularity is the Giving Tree, easily his most popular work. Yeah, easily his most popular work, but you don't think that where the sidewalk ends has a like a cultural significance that I think sure. it for, set up it there for with sure the has tree? a cultural significance. I, it absolutely does, but I think the I think it's like going, yes, this one is also in the Hall of Fame, but this is a first ballot Hall of Famer over here sort of thing. 
Okay, um, yeah, it's the, as it's someone, the difference. Uh, and this so, is saying, as someone who I owned, like, where the sidewalk ends and I'm pretty sure a light in the attic or falling up. I had one of the other two. Uh, so I was a fucking Shell Silverstein fucking mark. I was, like, all about <laughs> Shell Silverstein. Um, and what I found interesting was I, I definitely didn't have the same... For me, a lot of the longer poems... I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, I don't have time for this. I, I, Especially as an adult, I was like, I get the point. Absolutely. Um, I was a bigger fan for a lot of these of a lot of the shorter ones. I thought they were fun, quippy, like snappy sort of things. Yeah. And I thought that's where he did his best work. So I, I have one here where we can we can help <laughs> oh us help, we can get, help us can just suck, discuss a little bit. To uh, suck a little bit? To suck a little bit. <laughs> Um, so this one's called Magic. It's literally the second poem in Where the Sidewalk Ends, because I'm just going to be scrolling through this while we're talking. Yeah. Um, so, and this is a short one, and this is Jorge short, not Taylor short. So it'll be this over, is, it'll one, be two, over three, momentarily. Four, five, it's like eight lines, yeah. Okay. Sandra's seen a leprechaun. Eddie touched a troll. Lori danced with witches once. Charlie found some goblins gold. Donald heard a mermaid sing. Susie spied an elf. But all the magic I have known, I've had to make myself. There is there is a grimness yeah. to that. It also kind of sounds like coming, you know. It's <laughs> all the magic that I made. Trust me, I made it all myself. I just after I, I made after I made all of those kids, then I had to make more magic myself. And the thing is, if you include trolls and witches and goblins and shit, you think I'd be on board. But I'm just I'm not finding I'm not finding the same joy in this as like I I don't know. I want more out of my goblins. I uh, no, Jorge, but... <laughs> can I read you another one that's only eight lines, I promise? It has a very similar moral. Eight of the um, longest let's lines see that... Silverstein ever wrote. <laughs> know, right? By the way, when I say lines, I meant sentences, and each stanza is a sentence, so yeah. buckle up, we'll be here for a couple of minutes. No, I'm kidding, it's eight lines. Uh, this one's called Colors. My skin is kind of, it, my skin is kind of sort of brownish, pinkish, yellowish, white. My eyes are grayish, bluish, green, but I'm told they look orange in the night. My hair is reddish, blondish, brown, but it's silver when it's wet, and all the colors I am inside have not been invented yet. Yeah. A similar thing, like, uh, it's for me, it's the last two lines. Uh, have All the magic I've ever known I've had to make myself, and all the colors inside of me have not been invented yet. That's sort of like, cool. Very lightly, not very moralistic, yeah. but it's kind of there. Like it wraps up the poem more than it imparts something else to some to a child reading it in a kind of spoon feedy way. Does that elucidate anything? I'm not I mean, sure. I'm it was hard for me elucidated. to pay attention to it. Honestly, <laughs> I saw you on your phone. Okay, I knew you. <laughs> I got <laughs> a little distracted. Shit about it. <laughs> I got a little distracted, dude. That one. Was... It was eight lines. How could you get distracted in eight lines? Jesus. Because when he when he gets more po poety. Poetic I, I, I start might losing, be the word you're looking for. I start for. losing it, dude. Because, all right, I I have another one here. Oh, <laughs> all right, it's literally the third the third poem. Drop some lines for us. This one's no, only four lines boat. long. Called homemade boat. I love this one. This boat that we just built is no. See, this boat that we just built is just fine, and don't try to tell us it's not. The sides in the back are divine. It's the bottom, I guess we forgot. Yeah, it's, I don't. I don't like the the. What do you call it? the cadence of that? It's a joke. It. Yeah. I, it's not a funny joke, and the cadence bothers me, dude. 
whatever. Some of these make me mad. I, I gotta the say. rhythm of that first, the, the the rhythm of that first line is the part where I I see your problem, but everything else I'm fine with. I get so I and I know that bo- means it's a fourth of the poem I have a problem with, but whatever. <laughs> so I mean, that's, a million I when I'm writing, I don't like to use the same word too close to each other. So that that first line yeah. does bother me a lot. This boat that we just built is just fine. I, yeah, it's the just the just in there. twice it's, is. Yeah, it's grating to me. Jorge, when's the last time you heard a child speak, dude? Uh, I guess it's been a while, but I know how they talk, and it's disgusting. Yeah, that's but... why we don't let children write books, dude. <laughs> no, that's why we let adults like Theodore Seuss Giesel and Shel Silverstein write books in a childlike voice for children because they can do it purposefully and just the one time in the poem, rather than. Um, my friend, um, and I first, we, well, we forgot the bottom, but we like, we like the sides. Oh, like I'm talking about a boat. Um, uh, we made we, boats yeah. and then, um, you know, Ty like Tommy, but you know, boats like, yeah, obviously then, that's not going to be then, the goddamn poem. And then, and then, we, and then, and also, and, and, and it's I Tuesday. I can't even do it. It's too good of an impression. That's just, a, what. I don't know. And then, they... and then we bought a boat. We we made a boat, and then we made it was me, and it was Johnny, and it was Taylor. Not Taylor already has a boat, and his dad, but not no, not like a boat. We had Taylor's dad has a boat, and then we were we were going together with a boat, and we like that's and I'm like Brian, that's pretty good, I, dude. I pretty worked with good, kids buddy. every summer for like eight to ten years. I I know it's in my head. There are stories that just don't that in my head trail off to nothing, and I go. I must have forgotten the ending to that story. And the answer is, I didn't. It was a child story. And they just <laughs> trailed off when they said it. I remembered it perfectly. No, you can... If if you need to remember, just get really drunk and then tell a story. Because you and talk the just, exact same way. And I, I go, wow, no, I get it. My family are... They're all storytellers. Each and every one of us. No. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but it, it's very fun being party to the next generation growing up as they're becoming able to like form narrative and deliver jokes with timing and stuff because it was this last christmas party my little niece told a story and it was the first time like damn kid that was that was really funny you told that joke like you get i'm so happy for you welcome to the clan like it's like it was it was nice no but i mean when a kid tells an okay story you're you're like good good job man we we can we can work with this, dude. Yeah. yeah, we need to encourage this. This is the most praise I'm gonna lather on you for a while. Like this is what I want you to focus on. That's yeah. positive reinforcement, y'all. Remember, that's how you get people to do shit. I am I am yeah. generally very honest with my, you know, reactions with stuff. Like I, I have a hard time lying about my reactions. I can lie in other ways, but I've I've trouble lying with my reactions because they hit you so like like that. And there's no time to fucking, you know, try to cover it up with something. Um, yeah, so watch I, watch I me always... open a present. You know I can't fake a Exa- reaction. Yeah, like oh boy. Yeah, it's bad. If you if you if you're waiting for that magical moment where Jorge's eyes go all alight and everything, like no no no, you'll get it. You just have to wait about ten minutes until Jorge's <laughs> been able to sit with it and it's someone else's turn and the focus isn't on him anymore. And then he'll come to you privately, like thanks, buddy. That was Let's really go, nice. Wait a minute, like, this cool. Is awesome. I know not to expect it at that first moment because there's I, a lot going on in Jorge Town. I don't get excited for a lot of things. It's very hard to get me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the only thing I get excited for is like hanging out. Like, oh, we're about to fucking day drink and and play charades. That's when you'll yeah. see me excited. Sign me. That was a fuck good up, weekend. Yeah. yeah. 
Did you know that was the same exact day that uh, Kobe Bryant died and also the first reported case of COVID-19 happened in this country? I didn't know the COVID-19 thing, but I do remember Kobe Bryant died because we had to keep forcing people not to do anything Kobe related for charades. It was a challenge. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that's not us, by the way. We behaved. We made everybody yeah. else not do it. <laughs> people try to slip it in. We're like, no, no, no. Like, no. We were the on. good guys. Yeah. Give him oh. a day. You guys, that's all I'm asking. Give him 24 <laughs> hours. I got I to gotta tell a personal, Please. A personal truth about that Don't day. dox anybody, though. Um, I did not get what was the big deal about Kobe Bryant dying. I'm not a sports oh, really? person. But it was watching everyone else's reaction when I realized, like, ooh, I did not have the same relationship to sports at all is a lot of, and apparently most of my friends. Mm -hmm. So like I, it was one of those things where I had to quickly, when someone said like, Oh God, Kobe Bryant died. I was just about to go, ah, that sucks. And then immediately everyone like had that very traumatic reaction. Like, cool. Glad you didn't make that joke too fast. (laughs) Um, Lock it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same way where I, I don't, I, I'm not sure that I'm like psychopathic about it. I feel like maybe I'm just a little <laughs> bit more honest about it. But me personally, I don't really feel it when like abstract large number of people being in misfortune events events are happening. You know, like when something's happening on a large scale, it's not happening to somebody personally. I know I don't I don't feel it the same way. No, no, that, well, that's just that human is, nature. Yeah, that happens. That the, p- things turn into statistics for people after a large enough number. Like right, that's you, what, that's why again, I feel it is. Like I can't. Oh, if, what was it? What's the the quote yeah. or the par- paraphrasing of the quote? Like uh, one person dies is a tragedy. Ten thousand people die. It's a statistic. Yeah, it's something exactly. It's exactly. Right. It's pretty much it's that. the same thing that I can't imagine a billion dollars. I don't know what a billion is. I dude. I feel like other people just kind of pretend at this sort of thing. Yeah. Now with something like. Kobe Bryant dying I feel like there are people who do know sports and I can see that they're hurt and they clearly have some sort of connection to this so I just know to shut my mouth and like you know yeah, that was literally the same ex- the yeah. same exact reaction exactly, I had yeah yeah um I did find that that uh what that TV kid what is his name Jim uh, little Jim Jimmy Jimmy Jet the motherfucker yeah yeah I'm I'm just, I'm just gonna read the last four lines of it because it's a little longer um just so you know there's not a motherfucker in it but maybe Definitely. we can find one Definitely, it's okay to read the edited version. Jorge. Yeah, that's it's fine. a, it's a, <laughs> it's about him watching a bunch of TV until eventually. And now a, Jorge yeah. Vargas with the radio edit of this TV poem. <laughs> radio edit. And he grew a plug that looked like a tail, so we plugged in Little Jim, and now instead of him watching TV, we all sit around and watch him. Yeah, it's pretty grim. It's good. Find me the motherfucker. That's good. Find no. <laughs> find it oh, Jorge I, I can't it in fitted? the same way it's, we can't I, in the edited version okay. we can't Jorge, yeah, there are the words in, there are the words you can also in the see same them. way that TLC's waterfall doesn't have a rap yeah. in the radio edit exactly. I can't point to you where the rap Does is it really supposed not? to be no they took it out Cut it for, for time. the radio edit like Just the like this, one of the like verses the, for time they do the well, same verse over and over again well like the like the second <laughs> no right like the second uh the second start of black parade gets cut out they do the quiet what? version and then in the in the normal version there's two of them they basically fucking do it again and there's a big drums and everything but Y'all in the radio just, edit yeah they just go right through it you're just proving to me that i made a good decision by not listening to radio oh don't yeah don't listen yeah. to the radio listen to podcasts like us even though you're already listening which is great but i'm gonna advertise anyway no, um, but spread the word. Tell everyone you know. Like, tell of, uh, all of your like, friends. send send someone away. Send someone a link to our podcast that you perhaps haven't talked to and been wanting to rekindle a relationship with over this quarantine yeah. time. Guess what? You got fucking time. There's yeah. no fucking. I'm not going to be hearing this. Oh, I'm really busy. I got to do this, this, and that. Do you? 
Do you really? Because guess what? Even if you're working, you're working from home. You don't got that fucking commute, motherfuckers. You got no excuse. Um, it's actually, anyway. it's been worse for me. I listen to many much less podcasting because many much I, less po- well, cause I, don't, you, I, yeah. I don't have any time to listen to it. What? I'm just working the whole time now. That's true. Uh, the, <laughs> so to try and steer it back to the motherfucking topic. Um, the, so this is the thing. I understand. Uh, it was interesting that you brought up like that it's kind of uh, one foot in both circles, but not really in any sort of thing Jorge where it's right. like it's not whimsical or musical enough to be whatever or um or like grim and you know grim's fables enough to be like kind of like that um it, it is interesting because I grew up with these like I had where the sidewalk ends at the giving tree I had fucking light in the attic um and my I think more importantly my parents are big into 60s and 70s music so inherently some of that culture is always bleeding through with them um like my dad introduced me to fucking prog rock and it's Mm -hmm. why i know l o it's why i know the roundabout meme before anybody who watched jojo knew it like when people heard roundabout on the jojo yeah uh end credits like jorge was talking about i knew that song before i even watched the show so but what are you trying to say because you know i also love 70 that's the point being most of what i listened to what i what i also ended up doing was i listened to a couple of these uh performed by shell silverstein and what was interesting was this is another this was the other part of his uh career that was the big thing is he was a songwriter and a musician uh Uh, his most famous song being a boy named sue made famous by by johnny cash bingo the man in black himself what um he wrote boy named sue i got i got it was a rhetorical what what it was the king. No, of the no, no. I, I thought that was like an astonished what, and I wanted to say it again for emphasis. No, no, you, it was. You knew it was it with your big brain. It was astonished and also rhetorical. That was not a question meant to be answered, but I was you astonished. Were, you were rhetorically astonished. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't believe it. Um, astonished, but it's, but um. So what I noticed was when I listened to them, I listened to um. Uh, the main one that I listened to was "Ickle Me, Pickle Me, Tickle Me Too," which I was like. Shell, please, you gotta. This is for children. I know you can hide things in here, but come on, that's yeah. Not even I got hiding. in trouble in elementary school for saying, "Give me a nickel if you tickle my tickle pickle." My pick- yeah, the only thing I could think about. Hey, dude, we're in the same boat here. Um, but I heard him perform that, and it was, it was very like '60s folk singer kind of soul singer style that he did it. So okay. When I heard it, I was like, oh, okay, I get the vibe he's going. And I, I kind of like, again, I inherently knew it because I was played, you know, fucking Carol King and James Taylor and all these fuck, like these folk singers, especially. Um, not as much on the soul side because my parents are white, and but they're fun. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, come on. Um, it's They, they would admit it. They're not going to be upset about that. Um, no, they're not well, going to Well, I would hope you that your parents would admit white. that they're white. My mom, my mom has, been try- gonna... has been wanting to, uh, wanting to, is treating this like a radio show and very much wants to call in at some point. And I'm like, can't call in because we don't do it live. We, um, but we could. We can. We can call her we in could. during the recording. Very happy uh, to we, make that happen. We might. We might at some point. Um, but the point being, like, that would that's really the vibe of these i've noticed a lot is they are kind of again with the morals they're kind of winking and fun with them they're not like they're not like morality play level fucking here's john goodman and he fights the devil in this 
and the devil is literally a penis with a hand wrapped around it jerking off. And it's like, I wonder what this is about. Like, Taylor, don't tell me that's not a morality play. I know in fucking 1200 whatever, some fucking priest wrote that fucking play. Dude, there there is John Goodman and there is John Everyman. Like, that's where we get the term Wait, everyman from. Wait, is John Goodman from? actually, like, I'm correct? sure there's a John Goodman. I, know, I knew Everyman. I knew that one. Um, sorry, I feel I'm like sure. we happen to get close enough to, for me to talk about this, but there, there's something I haven't mentioned before, which is that there is a musical written by Randy Newman about oh. the story of Faust, <laughs> where Randy Newman plays the devil and James so James, good. James Taylor plays and God. God. Oh, James, James Taylor, Taylor, James plays, Taylor God? plays God. Uh, was oh, not was awesome. not well received. Of course not. <laughs> um, but I think both the music and the lyrics for all the songs are very good. It is like <laughs> to give you an idea of what Randy Newman thinks of God. When God comes in for the first time, uh, he says, "Sorry, ladies, to make you wait." A couple of Buddhists at the pearly gates, and everyone laughs really hard. <laughs> like it's <laughs> it's very Randy Newman type satire. Yeah, yeah. God is like a bastard who doesn't let anybody but like pious. Catholics in I, yeah. I imagine they're Catholics. <laughs> he doesn't say Catholic specifically, but I bet they're, they're Catholics. Come on, we can put that in there. Yeah, that we're not we're not we're not going to ruffle any feathers by saying that. Yeah, and the devil's more like the Paradise Lost type wronged angel devil who played just by wants, Randy Newman. Yeah, just wants to have more fun and and so, and so they have the gamble with Faust and everything. Yeah, um, I love yeah, it. I just it, thought uh, I would throw that out there in case anybody wants to go look that up. If you guys also want to look up something while we're talking about Paradise Lost really quick, there's a couple of schools of interpretation. Uh, one of the most famous is called the Demonic School, where like people like Lord Byron and everyone uh, loved the character of Satan, and where we get like a lot of people pushing the very charismatic Satan, and Satan is really the hero type, mm-hmm. comes from a lot of our romantic poets. They fucking loved that Satan. There's... Really? So much more I want to say on that topic. I'm going to avoid oh, it. Oh, we will. Because we're gonna let's do a paradise lost. Episode. That's a whole. Yeah. That's that a whole other thing. Because there's entire <laughs> books I want to talk about, but we'll we'll avoid it for now. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, on the on the I guess it's very tangential, but because a lot of people associate them with it, um, there was an interesting thing I noticed with a. Uh, I was looking up some controversies with Shel Silverstein because I wanted to see. I'm um, sure there had to be some. La- well, lately I've been doing this with every celebrity I like because that's a good like, idea. Okay, what do you have that's gonna come out in ten years that Let's everyone's see them suddenly be upset about? Yeah, um, he didn't really have much. I ended up getting into the Giving Trees uh, controversy page, which we can talk about um, because I do want to hear your guys' thoughts on the Giving Tree. Um, Wait, sorry, but- did- I. Realized you guys were talking about the Giving Tree before he did the Giving Tree. Shel Silverstein wrote yeah. the Giving Tree. That's, a that's why I said it. his. That's his fucking home run. Like, I was catching every other word during yeah. that time. Honestly, his famous book is The Giving. Tree. I did not realize. I did also called, did not yeah. read The Giving Tree. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. You I would to, say give it a read, buddy. Other people re- were reading The Giving Tree. I was reading Goosebumps, dude. Bum, bum, it's bum, much bum, shorter bum, than any Goosebumps book. Well, I yeah, read a lot of Goosebumps minutes. books. So. <laughs> it's way scarier than half the Goosebumps. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, but there was, there was an interesting um, there's an interesting thing that happened on this was um, the photograph of Silverstein on the back cover of the book, this is The Giving Tree, has attracted attention. One writer described the photograph as showing the author's, quote, jagged, menacing teeth and, quote, evil, glaring eyes, unquote. Another writer compared the photograph to the one on the back of where the sidewalk ends, in which Silverstein resembles the Satanist Anton LaVey. <laughs> what the hell? 
You say it's in the back of the uh, where the sidewalk ends? Yeah, where the sidewalk ends. Apparently, they think he looks like fucking... I'll save you the time. It's the same photo on his Wikipedia page. Yeah, it's... Which... No. (laughs) And and if it did, it didn't matter. I don't understand. Like... Okay, this is the kind of shit that I'm talking about and why I think I'm so unsurprised that Shel Silverstein did not have a controversy. Yeah. Shel Silverstein worked for Playboy and anything that he might have done was so clearly in the open at the time. Yeah. It's fucking people like Bill Cosby who have that front or I don't uh, those televangelists who steal all the money from people, people who put yeah. out that holier-than-thou persona. Those are the people with the worst skeletons in their fucking closets because no one is good and everything's awful. Yeah. And it's the people who are honest about like, no, like, yeah, I my I've impregnated a Playboy bunny and I write children's poetry. Couple like, things. Those are that's on the surface here. Couple I, things. Couple uh, things. Yeah. One, the the Wikipedia picture of Shel Silverstein does have a very Anton LaVey look to it. That's fine. Okay. Number two, yeah, right. they number were using two, it as an active fuck you. But anyway, yes. yeah, you're right. Yeah. Number two, I 100 percent agree with Taylor. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, Anton LaVey, Anton Sandor LaVey is the creator of Ooh. modern day Satanism. Did I say creature? Creator. You Pretty did say in. that really weird. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's the Satanism getting you up in You said it me. satanically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but a lot of his ideas were like, yes, we we want to, you know, indulge in like gluttony and, and having sex and eating whatever foods we want and being a little greedy and not, but still not really hurting other people. And people who do indulge in that kind of behavior are less likely to kind of blow up when they try to hold it all inside you know absolutely i i will it's say the champagne cork theory of morality it's why you know, catholicism is hard yeah it's very cat in the hat which also i'm sure he has also been compared to the devil uh because <laughs> his his catchphrase is it's fun to have fun but you have to know how and i'm like that Whoa. absolutely runs in line with i yeah i want to have sex and drink and smoke and eat and you know do all these things but not hurt anybody. And that's that would be the you have to know how thing. Like what I'm saying is the there's cat in the a, hat is a Satanist. That's all there's I'm a saying. Really, there's a really powerful set of anti <laughs> uh, of, of like drug education posters that went around in Scandinavia. I don't know okay. which country in particular. Uh, but it was things like, Hi, uh, my name is so and so and I overdosed on heroin. I was taken immediately to a hospital and was given the appropriate medication and I did not die. Uh, and it's like things like that, like, yeah, uh, I experimented with ecstasy and I had a fantastic night and I made sure and other people made sure that I drank enough water and I had a fantastic yeah. night. And it was things like, you know, it was just a lot of like, no, we know that telling people drugs are wrong doesn't work. So we're just going to tell people just literally not the weird medical facts about drugs, but no, people have fun doing drugs. That's why they do goddamn drugs. Yeah. And if you tell people that and take away that air of mystery of that. Like people can make a reasonable decision. Like, no, now I know everything that drugs could offer me. If I want to do that, I can do that. And if I don't want to do that, I won't do that. Yeah. I, I would, it's, I, I agree with that in general. I still most, would, would not work in highlight some of the scientific parts about it. Cause ecstasy that, yeah. is super bad for your brain, you know? So I, I, oh, yeah. I no, wouldn't no, just no. say Being like, Oh no, about, go have fun, you know, but yeah. like, this is what's going to happen no, no, to you no, physically, but, but enjoy if, if you're going to be responsible. Bingo. Exactly. But what I was talking about is when people are, when someone says like, sure. Oh, yeah. You want to have reasonable sex education? Cool. You only are allowed to use medical jargon. Like, no, you're doing the same thing. You're obfuscating through a different means. Like, stop it. Just tell, yeah. tell people like information that is reasonable to the lived experience of whatever it is you're trying to teach them about. God damn it. Well, with things like with a. Things like sex, if you start talking about earlier and more realistically, the ideas like consent can come up much earlier. 
and yeah really be kind of deep rooted instead of just like something you throw on on top after they finally find out about sex you know Uh, Here are all the diseases you can get during sex. Here are all the ways that you will not be able to get an abortion. And by the way, consent's a thing. Like, that's not, it's just such a shitty way to do this. Yeah, I might, yeah, yeah, because I might lead with consent, you know. Oh, yeah, definitely lead with that. Yes. So, Uh, the one thing I will say uh, to to counteract a bit of the point of, um, because it mostly relates with sex, I think a lot of the drug stuff was drug stuff. um, But. Uh, while I do agree that more often than not, the shitty people who have shitty things come out are people who usually put on the face of like, you know, I'm not gay or like, I don't have sex with anybody but my wife. And then it's like, they're blowing some dude in the bathroom. Um, Jerry Falwell, which is exactly like, (laughs) which again is super fine. Yes. Super cool. No, that's what I'm saying. Like the thing, the scandal with them is, hi i'm you know i keep going you know, look how straight i am and then being found out um no the there, scandal there is a, you've there, demonized the same kind yes, of person that exactly. you are and You're, you've made it a cultural thing exactly like you've perpetuated toxic culture around, around you yourself, while absolutely yeah. being the kind of person who participates yeah. that you hypocrite i i will say the open thing has has led to a uh, at least one situation that i'm going to bring up uh, that that kind of let them skated by, and it was the 70s, so it was the most one of the most you know free love time. Like it was a very you know sex positive time, which backfired. Uh, but Le- Led Zeppelin just had a, a, a I, I don't remember if it was Robert Plant or Jimmy Page because I don't want to outline say specifically, but someone in Led Zeppelin definitely had a 14 year old girlfriend while they were on tour, yeah. and definitely just kept her locked in a hotel room yeah. for a while. Like yeah, like that just happened. But again. They were seen as, you know, sex gods and cool and rock and roll and that sort of stuff. That's a different issue for sure, me. Sure, but I'm saying it, <laughs> it, that that openness was one time where that kind of got swept under the rug in terms of, like, no one was like, hey, that's not cool. They were like, hey. And then Led Zeppelin was like, here's Stairway to Heaven. And everyone went, oh, okay, cool. Fuck it. No, it's a, it's yeah. a good point, Brian, because yeah, people also is. during that time period abused being open in order to do very awful exactly. things. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's the other thing. You're in that, that, I think uh, the best things come in a sort of moderation where admitting what is reality is important, but again, abusing reality either by denying it or something like, oh no, I'm not a pedophile. I'm just so sex positive that you lame wads don't know anything about like, <laughs> <laughs> the the true time a person becomes a sexualized adult. Like no, there's it's like the left wing and the right wing version of bastardry. Yeah, because there I'm, is yeah. a bastard. I'm very quickly realizing sides. that it's that the best things come from good people, and it's we we need yes. to stop yes. grandstanding because really none of it matters. If people are bad, they're going to be bad. That's no, if they're really, bad, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna find whatever the convenient excuse is for them to justify their own shit. Yeah, um, I but. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I am gonna make a bit of a judgment here because I do, based on everything I've read, I do think Shell seems to be a good person in this. Um, I agree. If you didn't uh, find anything controversial that he I, did throughout his whole Wikipedia page, then dude, the the thing, the most controversy I found, and we can talk about it. Uh, Taylor, you can probably talk about it a little bit more uh, because Jorge hasn't read the fucking thing. Whatever, um, man. But there is a bit of controversy. There was or is a bit of controversy around the Giving Tree. Um, uh, Elizabeth Bird, writing for the School Library Journal, which, wow, what a publication, um, described The Giving Tree as, quote, one of the most divisive books in children's literature. Are you sure? I mean, I can look up Are fucking you sure? school 
children school library review fucking let me see I mean, if, Jorge this was before Harry Potter came out and kids were being yeah. introduced to demons oh that, that Satanist Harry Potter yeah okay or that Satanist Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> uh, I, don't, I actually don't know much about the controversy around yeah. that at why, all why is I just, it divisive I've always been com- let me yeah just been confused about the moral it's definitely that's the big thing and again this is it's interesting seeing uh, you know talking about controversy with you know and talking about like these things with Shel Silverstein, who again seems like a great guy, uh, everything seems to be like muted. Like we're 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 so expecting this horrible scandal, and it's like the scandal is like, oh, he had two children out of wedlock, and it d- doesn't seem like he, you know, lived with any of them, or you know, was uh a like a live-in person with them. But like otherwise, it's like, yeah, he just had kids. It's fine. Um, and then the controversy being like the moral of his story is probably interpreted incorrectly, you know, like, or interpreted differently, rather. I'm not going to say incorrectly, because if you have evidence for it, I think most of the things end up working. They just have levels of validity. Uh, This is, let me see this quote. Totally self-effacing. Yeah, go ahead. If he's just a dick about being with, you know, if he was just a bad parent and, like, kind of a bad guy when it came to his children, that's that's pretty fucking good compared to everybody else. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Like, if that's in your fucking section of, like, hmm... I whatever, dude. Yeah, you're fine. I'm cool if you're just a bastard. You yeah, know? you're not a sex pest. Yeah, that's fine. if you're not a monster, you're just a bastard. Yeah. You know, like that could. That's the best that, honest to God, in 2020 we can hope for. Yeah, it makes me um, like him more. Dude, absolutely. Uh, so for though, I guess it's really for Jorge, and I guess for anybody else who doesn't know, um, the Giving Tree. Taylor, do you have a quick synopsis of The Giving Tree? Do you remember yeah, enough to... Yeah, um, okay. a little boy meets a tree called The Giving Tree, and the boy is hungry, so The Giving Tree gives it an apple, and then the boy grows up, and the boy wants a canoe, so The the Giving Tree gives it its its trunk, um, and he wants shade, and The Giving Tree gives it its, uh, its leaves to shade it, and then at the very end of the boy's life, when he's an old man, he still wants something from The Giving Tree, and The Giving Tree says, I have nothing left to give, but I have this nice stump here if you need a place to rest, and the man rests and thanks The Giving Tree. That's beautiful. Yeah. I don't understand why, but that's beautiful. It's a... It, you should... You really should read The Giving Tree, then, because it is... Oh, it's very good. Um... So there's a couple of different things with this. Uh, there's a lot of things about parent-child relationships, friendship relationships, environmental relationships, you know, things like that. Um, some authors even believe that the book is not actually intended for children, but instead should be treated as a satire aimed at adults along the lines of a modest proposal, which is something I have never heard of until I saw this Wikipedia page. Um, but one of the, this seems to be, I'm going to read off a criticism of this and I want to see how this hits your guys's ear. Uh, this is, I think this is from Elizabeth bird, the writer writing for the school library journal. Um, totally self-effacing. The mother treats her son if, uh, as if he were a perpetual infant while he behaves towards her as if he were frozen in time as an, in, in, Ooh, importunate bo- baby. There we go. Way to go, Brian. Uh, this overrated picture book thus presents as a paradigm for young children a callously exploitative human relationship, both across genders and across generations. It perpetuates the myth of the selfless, all-giving mother who exists only to be used and the image of a male child who can offer no reciprocity, express no gratitude, feel no empathy, an insatiable creature who encounters no limits for his demands. 
I want okay, I uh, want to say go fuck yourself, but I haven't yeah. read it, so I guess I'll I have to no. sit back it's, and let y'all do it. The the second wave feminism aside, I had a very <laughs> similar interpretation, just not quite as gender. Though the gender component is there because you know it is a mother and it is a, yeah. a male child. Uh, but I again I. I I'm going to reread the book and then I'm going to read that whole article. And then I'm going to have like a very sober minded debate and take that argument seriously. Uh, but next I time on thought, AWF, like, <laughs> I know get ready because I'll be reading some words. No. Uh, but I always thought that it was a kind of a fucked up book for a similar reason that, uh, what was her name again? Elizabeth bird. Uh, yeah. Well, last name was bird, definitely yes. bird. Uh, Elizabeth bird said that it, <laughs> I thought it was in the same way that if you give a mouse a cookie, I always thought it was kind of fucked up. Like, what's the moral of the story? Don't help the mouse when he asks for a cookie. Yeah. And the same thing, like, oh, you don't want to be the giving tree because you'll just give everything. And that's stupid. And don't be the boy because it's stupid and mean to take things from the <laughs> from generous people again and again and again until you reduce them to nothing. Yeah. Like, both these people is are bad like both these little allegories are bad like Like they're too far and and so if if the moral of the story is it is kind of tragic that the boy even comes back as an old man and still is asking for shit that's tragic but if the giving tree is still giving that boy shit it is also tragic like i just didn't know i didn't know how to take the book like is it a good book because you're supposed to realize these are neither good things is one of these things being praised? And if so, I don't like it. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, know what's going on. Just just from hearing y'all's synopsis of it, I took it as a very Buddhist message because the tree is still happy to give and the boy is yeah. still wanting more. The The last line is, uh, if I can pull it up, the with the final stage of giving, quote, the tree was happy. Like, yeah, that's where the tree leaves itself is content and happy okay. to. So I, I really okay. like the synopsis I read, which is like many of the books whose synopsis I've read. That seems like a good book. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to I'm going to reread it. Like, I'm really interested to like, kind of tuck into that and kind of ruminate on it a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. A, lo- so, a lot of the criticism does seem to be. uh it is interesting about the generations and the gendered things and the the sort of sadomasochism. Because, um, let me see, Winter Prosapio said the boy never thanks the tree for his gifts. In an interview with Hornbook Magazine, Phyllis J. Fogelman, an editor with Harper and Rose, said the book is, quote, about a sadomasochistic relationship and elevates masochism to the level of a good, which mirrors... Mir- yeah, so... Uh, okay, it's uh, interesting. Having, having come out of academia... Then go fuck themselves. Every once in a while, you just go fuck yourself. No, there's. You can tell when a new book comes out. You're gonna see. All right, let's get the first round over with. Here's gonna be the third wave feminist perspective. Here's gonna be the Marxist perspective. Here's gonna be the postcolonial perspective. Here's gonna be like uh, uh, yeah. some uh, highly theoretical Hegelian perspective. All these are gonna get out of the way. Some of them are gonna be good. Some of them are gonna be trash. And then the second round when people have more time to kind of (laughs) like, no, when they have time to like build a conversation about it, I've found that typically better things come out. Uh, But it's amazing that every scholar has their interpretational uh, sort of go-to and all those things are going to be written about very quickly. Like someone's going to get the first one in. Like this is, ah, this is the, the, yeah, the first one that we're going to, it's actually a book about class warfare. Well, it's actually a book (laughs) about some other deep reading thing or, you know, so it's going to happen. No matter what. And a lot of those sounded like, cool, you just got in the first thing. Quick note. Taylor is a feminist, by the way. 
I realize he's criticized Very. both second and third wave feminism now, but... No, 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 no. I was just saying the second wave feminism aside, I can realize why that quote out of context sounds why people would want to kind of dismiss it. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of like a lot of second wave feminism writing, it's not performative, but it is like unimba- unabashedly unpatriarchal. So a lot of the, the cold analytical language that would typify academia at the time is sort of uh, reacted against by writing things that are not necessarily more emotional, but writing things that have access to something other than just a pure logic as if people didn't like reading books or were not affected by them. No, I am an ardent feminist, and I realize now that I've criticized <laughs> <Yeah>. twice. <laughs> Thank, you so just, Thank, Thank you so much. I was just trying to back you up, buddy. Because yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, before we close out, I do want to cover that last point about like, so poetry is kind of interesting because you don't, I don't think you need to have like an exact, uh, correct cadence to it, you know, but, uh, personally, as somebody, as somebody who does not, I'm not a big poetry guy, but I, from a layman's perspective, you know, there, there are things that sound good and things that don't sound as good. You know, there's things that just sound pleasing. So, you know, when something's a lot more stereotypically like, it rhymes and everything's in the same motion. Like it, it, it feels better to me. And so that's some, some of what bothered me in some of these poems is that it, I didn't, it didn't always like come in clean for me. You know, some of them, some of them didn't come all the way clean. So I, okay. I got another four line one still okay. pretty early on in where the sidewalk ends. Bring it on. Called the early bird or just early bird. Sorry. Oh, I, I, yeah. Okay. Oh, if you're a bird, be an early bird. And catch the worm for your breakfast plate. If you're a bird, be an early bird. But if you're a worm, sweet, sleep late. You know, honestly, every time I've read these I out loud, they've sounded better than when I read them that's, in my head. It, dude, yeah. that's what I'm saying. They have a thing to them that is very performative. Like, I'm gonna, they need to be spoken or, like, half sung or, like, you know, tapped out with, like, a drum or, like, the strum of a guitar going on. They I'm a, are I'm all better take, that way. Honestly, I'm going to take it back because every single one I've read has sounded a lot better when I've said it a lot. And I, this one I read repeatedly in my head. I'm like, yeah. no, it sounds off. It's not right. <laughs> but uh, I read it out do loud and just, it made sense. You, it made sense. I don't do know. you have no natural metronome or internal metronome in you? <laughs> I have a horrible sense of rhythm. That's probably why. Yeah, which we <laughs> talked about on our last episode. <laughs> oh, that was the year where he's doing the four. Yes, yeah. So I, before we, uh, I I, oh, I perform sorry, music for my own joy. I am bad at it. I am ungifted at music. Okay, <laughs> so I don't know. What to say. I would disagree. <laughs> I would disagree. I think you are. You, I, I I like whenever you play the piano. I've always enjoyed it's, it. Well, well, then we'll say I'm ungifted at rhythm, which yeah. is which is very Fair. unfortunate since I'm supposed to be like a, a Latin dancer and. <laughs> so it's expected of me sometimes. I hate it. Because I'm like, I can't, so, I can't do it, dude. I don't know what to tell you. I want to close out sure. um, with a, a little bit about a guy named Joseph Thomas. And I think one of the reasons I was so critical of academics is because I, I read about this before we started on the episode. And, and I just want to make fun of this guy. Cool. Um, so he is, he's a scholar and a poet from San Diego State University who in 2013 was writing a book about Shel Silverstein. And I want to read a little bit from a Slate article that we'll, we'll link to. Uh, I'm going to read just a very, very short section. Mm-hmm. For the last few years, I've been writing a scholarly book about Shel Silverstein's life and work. Yet, after five years of labor, I've recently come to realize that my book will very possibly never be published. Why not? Well, 
Certainly not because there's a glut of other books about Shel Silverstein. Only one popular biography exists, and I guess if you count the Shel-centric Silverstein and Me a memoir by Silverstein's lifelong friend Marv Gold, you could put that oven up to two. Now, what this article is about is Shel Silverstein's estate has a very particular uh, set of guidelines about quotation. You cannot quote any of Shel Silverstein's work Why? in oh. a copyrighted material. He doesn't want it to be. He was incredibly specific about paper, about production, about type font, about typesetting. How the book itself is and how the poem lays upon the book itself was just as important to Shel Silverstein as the words that he wrote. He was a book collector. He liked bibliography uh, in a way that I've talked about on this podcast before. So you can't republish his works you know, in paperback or whatever. Mm -hmm. He wanted them in hard book. The way that they are published now is the way that it looks like they're going to be published forever. Now, what I want to make fun of Joseph Thomas for is according to the first sentence in that article, he spent five years <laughs> as oh. a scholar writing this book and this incredibly important and seemingly obvious fucking detail did not come up to him once oh. in that time so at the one oh point God. super tragic that you put five years into work in something and you didn't you you aren't going to be able to publish that probably the other half is how the fuck did you not know that <laughs> Fair enough. and it, it does make sense because i i do feel that his poems are very purposely placed on every page for sure yeah. Oh, the every piece of art accompanied with every piece of writing and where they are written and the fucking typeface and the kerning and all that shit is purposeful. The kerning. The I believe that's the, the space. No, I know, I know what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you were just incredulous in me saying kerning. <laughs> I just sometimes I feel like people say kerning just to prove that they know the word kerning. Dude. I need to get That's my really SAT funny. word of the day in, okay? I need Dude, there's a fabulous essay, uh, fabulous um, subreddit called Bad Kerning oh, or something like can that. You, can you and give the just... definition for kerning for anybody who doesn't know? Yeah, the definition of kerning literally talks about the space between words and how letter, sorry, letters and words are spaced next to each yeah. other, like on a page. So we have a little bit of space between all of our characters in English, and that's so we can read the fucking word. So like... R and N next to each other don't look like an M. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a couple of fun subreddits where people do not realize that that's a consideration when you type when you set type and some really funny words are spelled out <laughs> because you know people smash letters together and can't see that they're spelling I don't know bumming or something when they meant to write burning. Yeah. Hot tip for any of you web developers out there: if you get your letters a little bit further spaced apart, they look very slick. Looks very clean. <laughs> yeah, that is a hot tip. I'm a huge fan of it. So what do we think, boys? We fans on the topic of Shell Silverstein? Are we fans? Are we fans or are we friends? Are we friends? Are we friends? I, Might be. I was originally going to say no. Uh, but I think there was enough of a turnaround that I'm going to say yes. You know, maybe if I hadn't changed my mind... On the reading out loud, I might have been more inclined to say no. But these these are dark times, and I, we need friends in these dark times. So I'm going to say yeah. I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to a lot of desperation behind behind door number two. It's a yes for me, dog. Uh, I also was going to come into this with a hard no because <laughs> of the Giving Tree shit and some of the I don't know just some of the controversy surrounding Shell Silverstein. But talking to you guys, it was like no no no. I'm going to reconsider the Giving Tree, and I just think those other doofuses are really funny for being. <laughs> 
kind of dumb. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's a resounding yes behind door number wow. three. Does that yeah. does that make uh, Brian door number one and me door number two forever? That sounds like it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we can all have a chance and one of us can be the goat or whatever sometime. You know the oh, goat. The f- shut the fuck up. You know the goat. <laughs> You're an idiot. <laughs> all right, guys. If you want to hear more from this idiot or any of my other two idiot co-hosts, you can always find us on our Twitter and Instagram, both of which are at underscore are we friends. All one word. Or you can find us on our website, r-we-friends.com. Dot com. Dot com. Feel free to tell a friend about us uh, as other people are quarantined by themselves now. Give them something fun to listen to. If we bring joy to your life, we can probably bring joy to theirs. Maybe. We have loved the amount of interaction that we've been getting lately, um, and we'd love to keep that up with you guys. So thank you so much. We're thinking of you. I have been your Off Where the Sidewalk Ends co-host, Taylor. Uh, I have been your giving tree, Brian. And I'm still just Jorge. And we will be dropping lines for you next week. My beard grows to my toes. I never wears no clothes. I wraps my hair around my bear and down the road I goes.